Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Plate Stack Chat. I'm Jason. Joining me today is Sam LaRoche, Tom Forder, and the only man with more CrossFit spreadsheets than Tom is, of course, your friend of mine. It's Brian Friend. Brian, how are you? Excellent. Yeah. Great to be here with you guys. Looking forward to the conversation. I, I should ask Tom, Sam, you guys all right? I'm really happy that there's a bigger stato than Tom um, on the on the pod today. So I, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm happy. I'm, I'm also starting to question what Tom's role is today, because <laughs> usually we'd throw to him for any of these things. But we've got Brian here. But um, but Brian's a busy guy, Tom. So don't worry, we, we're not going to replace you. <laughs> yeah there we go yeah savan might have something to say on that as well i imagine he, keep, he keeps you pretty busy as well brian <laughs> yeah I, th I think he's doing a podcast right now with an M mma fighter actually i don't usually jump on for too many of those though oh i was really hoping to hear some like super name within crossfit and just be like yeah <laughs> and yet you chose us that's <laughs> means a lot to me there would have been there would have been tears never mind they're not coming now, we've got an interesting topic today that I'd like your opinions on. Before we get to that, though, combining two things, one is that Sam had sort of introduced the idea of listener shout outs. So I'd kind of like to get that out of the way with to begin with. Uh, and I really need to address the monster in the room. Oh, my that is, God. If anyone is I can't believe following me. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> on, on Instagram, or I think most of them have been reposted on the Plate Stack chat Instagram. But um, particularly, we've got a shout out to Jake Brinkman, Rob Bird and Derek Wilson, who have been creating a number of memes and Photoshop attempts of, of me in various, uh, I don't know, how would you describe it, Sam? I'm just, I'm just basically, I'm sponsored by Monster Energy now. I, I, had a, I had a little rant. I complained about them being at the games and people have really run with that. So thanks, guys. I, I appreciate that. But it's nice to know that people listen. So you know, even if it's just those three, they dedicated time and effort to, to making something for us. So we value it nonetheless, but also be careful what you say today, knowing that potentially it will um, be a meme tomorrow. <laughs> right. So getting on to more CrossFit related chat, um, as we've got Brian here, who's, you know, he's got the stats on a lot of CrossFit old and new. I thought it would be interesting just to kind of see where CrossFit was as a sport where it is now and i guess like where it's going and maybe you know perhaps you know changes that have been really good changes that have been less than perfect or terrible uh, and then maybe what do they need to do if they want to kind of keep that progression going forward and and you know how do we feel about that anyone got any strong opinions that they'd like to kick off with can i start as a fan instead of like a, a, like where we are statistically because I, I know that's where it's going and like we're going to talk, talk about all that stuff. But I really like, um, or let me rephrase that, I really liked when cro the CrossFit Games, so at the moment I feel like the CrossFit Games is not particularly accessible um, to your average, I mean, maybe that's not quite right, but I'm going to put it out there. Um, it's, not as, or not, it's not as accessible as it used to be. Um, so when you look at, the i mean i don't go back far enough to remember the ranch like crossfit at the ranch necessarily but like when you watch things like um the thrown in documentary and things like that like it seemed more accessible to people then 
Um, for example, Rich, <laughs> never going to live it down. Rich for only not being able to complete a rope climb. Like even I can climb a rope now. Um, so for, you know, maybe not legless, but it, not the point. Um, but it, it seems like it, it was more accessible previously than it is right now. So I, that's kind of my opening gambit as a fan. It doesn't seem as accessible as it was. Okay. I was going to ask what you meant by accessible. And then I'm guessing you mean like, I, I guess it's the idea of looking at it and being like, oh, one day I could go to the CrossFit Games and now being like, one day maybe I could get a ticket to go and watch people doing CrossFit. That, the CrossFit that, well, no, that, that is exactly a, it. A so like, goal. I started CrossFit <laughs> and I, you know, I only started CrossFit like three years ago. And, and I was thinking, you know what, actually, like these guys aren't like, they're not like super soldiers, but seemingly like after this year I watched it, I was like, yes, they are actually super soldiers. You know, they're snatching ridiculously heavy. They're cleaning ridiculously heavy. They're running ridiculously fast. They're swimming. They're kayaking They're You know, is there anything these people aren't that good at? Um, you know, but that, and that's what I mean by not accessible. I think we're in the, yeah. Mm. We're in the exponential part of the curve, though, because it's such a new sport. And I think maybe one of the things I'd say, like, you know, when you compare, say, back in like 2009 to or even like 2014 to 2021, like you look at the size of the pyramid, right? The bigger the pyramid and what I mean by the pyramid is like the performance pyramid, the bigger that is. So the more people taking part, the higher, mm. the bigger the distance from the bottom to the top. So you're going to see, like, as more people start doing it, you're going to see kind of like a bigger difference between entry level and elite. But we're still in that exponential phase as well. So it's it's crazy. And every year you hear, you know, the likes of Sean, Chase, Ingram saying, you know, look what they're doing now. You know, when, you know, and Annie with her first muscle up, there's the prime example, but also kind of like how much they're snatching and stuff for reps versus one RM only a few years ago. It's, I mean, this... The question that you threw out there, Jason, is a broad one. And if you're just, you know, if you want to talk about the athletes and the potential of the athletes, yeah, it's changed a lot. But in a large part, it's changed because there, there's an increase in an opportunity for them to invest more resources into becoming great at this sport. And that's something that um, I think, you know, Rich was the forefront, the forerunner of creating that opportunity for a, a, a true professional athlete in this space. We can talk about potentially where the prize money is at now and how it hasn't really grown that much in the last couple of years. And there's some reasons why, but there's opportunity to make money off the field of competition that didn't exist when he started doing this, certainly, and didn't exist for a lot of athletes until very recently. There's a very small pool of athletes who had the opportunity to make money off the competition floor that could sustain a professional career in this sport, even you know, for however long. That's starting to expand. And that I think is one of the, you know, pillars or critical components of having a, a, a professional sport is that the athletes can make money doing the sport. And people like Annie Thor's daughter have even, um, and the company, I think it was noon was the company originally, like they were willing to support her through pregnancy. And now, you know, Sarah Sigmund's daughter's had sponsors that are willing to support her through a year mm -hmm. of injury and to get back on the competition floor. And that when contracts start, you know, morphing and, and changing into the way that, yeah, this is a three-year contract, regardless of what happens. If you have injury, if you have illness, if you have pregnancy or whatever, yeah, we're going to be supporting you, the athlete, as, as our part of our brand for this time period. That makes it more viable for 
a bigger pool of athletes. And I think that that's, that's where we're at right now is that's continuing to expand and that it's a, it's important that it is. See, that's, that's where I think that, you know, you're, you're correct. It's like a broad question, but I feel that's because it is, there, there is no one element that you can isolate that isn't directly kind of related to the other things. Right. So like going, even going back to Sam's point of kind of, you know, the old school CrossFit and somebody not being able to kind of complete a rope climb, that's not going to be a spectacle that's going to in, attract investors and sponsors and people are like, Oh, we need to get this on TV. Right. Superhumans. Yes. That, that, that clearly is something that people are going to be like, Oh, I want to watch what these people are doing. Cause that's incredible. And then you're right in that the, the money, like kind of now, if you really want a shot to, to, you know, finish on the podium, even you need to be a full-time athlete, right? Really like realistically, if you're dividing your attention between a, a full-time job and, and training kind of on the side, you know, you're, you're, you're harming your chances. Right. And I guess that it's that making money on the side, right. Which means you don't necessarily need to be the best athlete. You need to be a popular athlete. Uh, and I reckon there are athletes that are very popular that are making probably a lot of money through CrossFit, through sponsorships, endorsements, other deals that are not necessarily top performers. Uh, and you, you kind of wouldn't see that so much in other sports, right? Usually the, the people at the top are those that are, are definitely, you know, playing for the biggest teams or, or kind of doing the, the best within their sport. And I just feel like, again, it's linked to what Tom was saying, like we're just seeing this kind of growth and it hasn't settled. So all of this stuff is kind of constantly in, in flux and in shift. And, uh, but I, I, I also feel like maybe that's where that's, you know, the progression we need to see, right? Like you need, you need to know that if I decide that I'm going to be a CrossFit athlete and I'm going to ded dedicate my time and energy and strength to, to pursuing this, it's viable and I'll be able to make a living doing it. And it's not kind of a, oh, you know, I, I left my job for a year and I kind of wanted to see if this thing would pan out, which is the kind of go-to answer, right? When you speak to the full-time athletes at the moment. No, and it's, and it's good. And I mean, the inverse can also be true, right? You can have athletes that are very successful in the sport, but they're not that marketable. And so they don't have, you know, as big of a following as someone who might be doing worse than them in every competition, but they're very appealing to the, either the sponsors or the fans. That thing that you said about <clears throat> like uh, putting on display, how amazing the athletes are to me is kind of a, a, a interesting topic because I just think about, you know, historically the rope climb event with Rich, that was a finale of a competition. And then in 2015, we saw the pegboard come up at the finale of the competition. And I mean, if you're a casual, if you're not a serious fan of CrossFit and you're just watching the last event, why are we putting in an, a, a movement that no one's ever seen before and that half the field can't do? And then you come to this year and they had a live TV deal with CBS sports for the last two events. And that's the event that you choose to put in, not just a freestanding handstand pushup for the first time, but a freestanding handstand pushup with a really bizarre standard where not only do you have to then move forward, but then you have to come back, demonstrate control. And very few people are finishing this one. And I'm just wondering, sitting here wondering, I'm like, why? Like, fine. If you want to put this in, that's great. Put it in on Friday morning when not, when the world isn't watching just the people that already know this sport and know that it is always going to push the boundaries and move forward. But if my grandmother is just casually flipping through and sees CBS and sees this going on, that's not going to be entertaining. They're just watching people fail, 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 get no reps, argue with their judge. And so just from the organizing body, why are you choosing to put that then? And when it's the most public, you know, I'm so glad we've gone down this path now because 
Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I mean, if even the judges couldn't quite tell if someone like where someone was and how many reps they'd done. Yeah. What chance is someone, you know, watching at home? Um, I'm not even sure. I, I mean, I, you know, it was it was late at night here <laughs> or early in the morning, probably. Um, but I kind of felt like I was learning the standard listening to the commentary. Uh, I don't think it was ever really kind of that clear. And as they were kind of, and, you know, there were a couple of reps where they were like, oh yeah, that, that, no, that was good. And you're like, what's the difference between that other rep that wasn't good? Yeah. And, and I agree that that, that's weird. That was weird. And and it was weird at the end, but I, I see that as part of a, a bigger picture talking about CrossFit going forward in the, at the moment it's, it's almost more reality TV than it is sport, right? It is very much like the, the Dave Castro show versus kind of just the, 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 the grand final of, you know, cause you, when you think of the, the paths people have taken, they've gone through different competitions. They're there. It's like the world cup of, of CrossFit. This is the top one, but the, the fact that, you know, Dave can come out and change something last minute and nobody knows. And, you know, why this change oh well when we tested it, it was a bit different and the athletes are kind of better than we thought they'd be you're, <laughs> you're like what you, I, how, how can you do that uh, and you know i've listened to some of the the podcasts you were on brian obviously i've not listened to every podcast you've been on because i know you've been on chalking fitness and so i refuse but i've <laughs> oh shots fired <laughs> but, but i know when like you were talking to uh, was it like glaza and, and there was things about kind of um tie break times like tie break moments being changed after a workout sort of or people not being exactly sure where the tie break was that massively affected standings and i just kind of feel like that's all the stuff that that doesn't like that's the kind of stuff that yeah back at the ranch was okay but now being broadcast you know on tv and trying to be seen as this kind of big professional thing you can't do like you can't do that right that no and it's uh you know there's the, the you guys, i'm sure you guys are familiar with the if3 and the and that they yeah. they are kind of the total opposite their their movements and standards and disciplines are very well defined and their competitions are very well defined and it's very structured and if you choose to participate in that you very much know what you're getting into and, and in that regard it's almost the opposite across it even though uh, or should say the opposite of the crossfit games even though both competitions are probably using 90% of the same movements and combinations of movements to test fitness. The problem I think the IF3 has is the same problem that Ray Kroc had with McDonald's is he doesn't have the name. And so the name CrossFit Games is still king. It still trumps any kind of outside of organization or eliminating all these weird variables that we might want to see. And I don't know if that'll ever, I don't know if that will ever change. Like, I don't know if you can ever create something that's going to be so good to shove the CrossFit games, the name, the CrossFit games, the title, the fittest on earth to the side. Um, obviously, I mean, rogue are trying their best. <laughs> well, and we can certainly talk about what's going on in, in off season competitions and rogue is a great example because, you know, and they have a unique opportunity because they're, they obviously supply their own equipment and they have access to, you know, they're doing very well so they can, you know, afford to do things. But if you are going to the rogue invitational this year, you don't have to worry about travel expenses, you, you know, flight or hotel. You don't have to worry about a qualifier. You were getting, it's an invitational. 
you've already proved your merit and you can show up there and you can prepare how you need to, to get there. I've researched the flights. You're going to have plenty of extra money from the, even the international stipend for airfare. So basically all your food and supplements and everything you need for that week is taken care of. And even if you get last place, you're still going to walk away with $5,000 us. That's, you know, that is something that's sustainable. And if you compare that to the CrossFit games, where you have to pay your own way and you have to pay a registration fee. You have to go through months of a qualification process just to get there and maybe have a chance to make it through the cuts and earn one. What, what was the bottom payment there for the 20th guy out of 40, 20th girl out of 30, 40 was the same as it is for last place at the rogue invitational where you didn't have all those extra expenses. And we've, I mean, you guys maybe have heard Pat Vellner talk about this, but athletes are going to have to, like, they're going to weigh these things really seriously. And they're going to say, why am I going to spend seven, eight months of the year trying to make it to the CrossFit games? Or if I don't finish in the top 10, which is exceptionally difficult to do, I'm basically drawing even for the season, or I could focus on these three off-season competitions, which are, I think they're going to be more than three in the coming years. That'll be more profitable for most of the athletes than the CrossFit games end up being. And I'm just going to say, fine, those guys can go to the games and they might not all show up to these events. And I'm going to make these my focuses. I'll go to Rogue. I'll go to Dubai. I'll go to Wadapalooza because I'm good enough to make it there. And I'll make more money doing that than I would participating in the game season. Do you think the athletes would be a big enough draw? Because I think you're right. Like the name CrossFit is such a big draw, right? And that's the, and that's kind of the problem that other competitions have. But do you think athletes could be a big enough draw to pull people to all these other events? And then if that kind of keeps happening, you know, like at what point do the scales tip at what point can, you know, if, if, cause it's one thing if like they're at the games and these other events, but as you say, if people start going, well, actually forget the games, I'm going to focus on these events, you know, at what point do, do enough athletes kind of tip the balance that people are like, I don't really care who wins the CrossFit games. Cause they're all just, or maybe actually CrossFit games goes back to being more what Sam liked. And it is, just kind of the best people at the at your local box that have qualified for it because all the people that are absolute monsters have qualified for you know waterpalooza and rogue and different different events to make more money you have you have the pro circuit and you have the uh the the internet the, you know the the world championships um it's 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 interesting and i think this is all like because it's such a new sport right it's evolving um we've talked about two things for me I'd written down two words, both beginning with R, and we've spoken about both, and they massively overlap, and that's rule book and remuneration, right? And the two completely like, you know, prize money and what you have to do and when. And I think really like, you know, the the, the IF3 are going down that route of trying to be a recognized sporting body, um, and what that allows access to is um, national development funds, and so you can fund your off-season you know, and fund getting better because it's a recognized sport. Then you've got the kind of bright lights of Waterpalooza, um, you know, Rogue Invitational. That's your chance to kind of like make money on the competition floor. And the CrossFit Games has got to work out where it's going. Like, is it trying to be structured and the find the fittest on earth? Or is it trying to be more of the, sp- I mean, you'd love it to be both, right? But we're already seeing there are differences in remuneration. The rule book is always like, what's it going to be this year? And that makes it really tough. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, The rule book is a good point that you bring up, Tom. And that's very, that's very confusing to me. There's, I don't know of uh, other sports that are continuously writing the rules as the season is unfolding. And I think it's perfectly acceptable to take the off season and make amendments based on what you learned from the previous season. But 
then you just release it. And then those are the rules for the year and you see it through and then you make adjustments again the following year. I, I was thinking, we obviously it's the Olympics and Paralympics at the moment. And it's not, I'm not trying to compare like for like, but as far as I'm, as far as I'm aware, maybe I'm being really ignorant. People that win the Olympics don't win a sum of money when they win the Olympics. As, as far as I'm aware, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure they don't, but the, the sports that they do will fund them. Are you looking it up, Tom? Please look it up. <laughs> yeah, not, none of oh, us. Yeah. None of us. No, I, I, <laughs> the conversation just stopped just before. I was like just about to type, and then the conversation stopped. As soon as CrossFit becomes an Olympic sport, we all know the answer to this question. But up until now, we we don't care. <laughs> but but what I'm getting at is the the point of, and this is where the um, the IF three I think is. <sighs> is doing well in terms of trying to become a recognized kind of federation in so for example if you were part of that in the uk you could apply for like we have a lottery so they and they fund different sports so you might apply for lottery funding to to then for that would pay for your sport so like olympic weightlifting for example in this country you know or rowing or cycling, or there are various sports that go to the Olympics who are, that's their full-time job because they're paid from the funding that comes from being a recognized sport. So if that were the case with CrossFit, you wouldn't need to earn, a good, you know, loads of money because you would get paid throughout the year and you'd have sponsorship deals and you'd just be trying to be the best per, like you'd just be trying to be the fittest person on earth, if you will, rather than trying to earn your money back from the season that you haven't had, essentially, especially this year. You know, when, when it was sanctionals, it, it was a little bit different because you could kind of earn your money as and when, like you could go to a sanctional, earn a bit of money or whatever. Um, but even then, it still wasn't much by the time you'd paid mm. for it and gone to, you know, all that sort of so, stuff. So, Done, done a quick search. I did have a look. And I thought the answer was that they, they did, but it's set by the individual, I guess, the Olympic Committee for that country. So I'm not sure what it is for the UK, but on the, the article I did find, it was suggesting that it was in the region of $20,000 for Team USA for gold, 15000 for bronze and somewhere in the middle for, for silver. But then it's different for different countries. And I because I had seen some... Um, had seen some um, numbers flash up and I think Singapore is more like a six figure sum. And I'd seen there was a, I think was there a, a weightlifter from the Philippines who won gold and I think wins like $600,000 and a house or something. So, but it's very much set by each individual Olympic wow. committee. Jason, something you, something you mentioned a, a little while ago was about the athletes compared to the, the, the title of the CrossFit games. And I have, I've, I've had this thought several times. Are you guys familiar with the movie Warrior that Tom Hardy was in, the MMA fighting movie? Yeah. It's like this movie, this guy just shows up and he's like, I'm throwing down $5 million. Give me the best fighters in the world, winner take all. And I just have always wondered, like, what if some guy just comes along and says, you want to find the fittest? Here's $10 million. Who, you know, And I'll just invite. Yeah, these are the guys who are the top 10, top 20, whoever I want to invite next year. And I can't, you know, and. I can't imagine. Isn't that just what they did with, in Dubai? <laughs> Wasn't that just the Dubai CrossFit Championships? Yeah, but I mean, even, you know, it's you're still not making as Even if you're Matt Fraser, you're still not making as much money at the Dubai CrossFit Championships as you are yeah. by winning the CrossFit Games. And I'm talking about someone that's willing to show up and say, no, this is 10x the prize purse. 
mm. if you're able to win or, and, you know, and if, if you do have $10 million, then, you know, I wouldn't just want to say 10 million win or take all. Cause then some guys are gonna be like, I don't know, like, can, can I really win? But if you say, no, I got a $10 million prize purse, there's 20 athletes. You guys are all taking home at least 500,000. You get last place, get 500,000. No athlete that gets invited to that is not going to go. And if it's the same weekend as the CrossFit Games, none of those athletes are going to the CrossFit Games. Yeah, I, I, I've always had that kind of, I mean, this is the cynical person that I am, but I, I've always sort of had that thought of whenever you've got the best in the world at anything, I always kind of wonder, but are they? Are there just some people that you know didn't turn up, didn't know about this thing, don't do that? Like, I, I, I do what you know. You're right. It might be you know CrossFit, the fittest on earth, and it's like, well, no, it's the, the fittest on earth who decided he wanted to do CrossFit. That there might be someone fitter who just you know for whatever reason, as soon as he hears the word CrossFit, is like that, nah, not for me. But as soon as he hears you know ten million dollars, he's like, yes, definitely for me. Um, that that oh right let's uh, let's start GoFundMe we'll see if we can get that project rolling <laughs> yeah I mean and you know was, that's an interesting thing that you said the fittest on earth I don't know if you guys caught it or not but that's not how Dave Castro introduced Justin Medeiros this year he introduced him as the new male champion I'm pretty sure that's straight from what he usually says but he, yeah. did he not use that phrase still for Tia? I need to go back and look he at it. Said, that would, that would, that uh, no, no. He said the most dominant CrossFit athlete of all time. And I'll have an article coming out soon that uh, answers a question of whether that is true or not. Ah. It's taken me a few weeks to get enough information to feel comfortable publishing that one, but I'm confident now. Nice. I'll look yeah. forward to that one. Brian, if you're confident, you know it's going to be bang on a lot. <laughs> oh, tingles. I didn't know. I, I asked the question, you know, Dave said this just decided to say it right after the competition for whatever reason, is it actually true? But it take me a couple yeah. of weeks to feel like I did enough analysis to actually have an answer. Yeah. As, as, now, my bigger question is, did Dave do as much analysis as you did before making that statement? <laughs> or has he made a statement <laughs> that is basically flip of a coin at this point, potentially could be true, but maybe it's not. But did he sit down with a spreadsheet and go through all the numbers? Dave Castro or... making a flip of a coin statement. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I caught that one. I guess maybe that, because I think that was the statement that definitely overshadowed whatever he said about Justin, right? Because as soon as he said that, that was all you heard people being like, oh, but what about Matt? Matt and Tia, Matt and Tia, who's, you know, oh, really? Oh, I don't know. But, but I think, I mean... I feel like it was what two or three years ago when people were really starting to call into question the title of fittest on earth anyway. Uh, and sort of saying it, you know, there was the whole debate of when does the test begin? If you're cutting people, if they're not taking all the parts of the test, can you claim the person that finished the test and won is the fittest? Or yeah. It, and throughout you know, the whole that kinda... time period, you know, Tia and Matt were just winning. And so everyone was like, well, yeah, they are the fittest, you know, but the problem that I had was like, well, what about the rest of the field? And they kept saying, oh, we don't, we don't care about the rest of the field. We only want to find the fittest. And I'm like, wow, that doesn't, the rest of the way that you've structured the season doesn't support that claim. I, I mean, I suppose even like maybe that at the very heart of it goes to this discussion of where does CrossFit go as a sport and how is it as a sport? Because if you're, you know, like I guess within sport, you kind of have that goal, right, of finding the best team in that sport or the best athlete at that thing but 
I feel like with most sports, people know that there's quite a degree of chance and just, you know, unexpected things can happen. And, you know, the, the ball was wet and it slipped out of somebody's hand. It doesn't mean that you can categorically say this team is the best team ever because they beat like, I, I feel there's more nuance to it, but with CrossFit, it was kind of like a, a black and white statement. It was just, you know, this person is the fittest. There is no doubt, no debate. Yeah. And, and the question about if like, who did everyone show up who could have won? That was the original question of CrossFit when they started this thing. They're like, if you think that you have a better training methodology than ours, come and show us. Here's a, here's a test and we'll, we'll let anyone sign up. That's obviously changed. They couldn't just let thousands and thousands of people come in and try to show their hand. So they had to have a qualification process. And obviously that's evolved and changed over the years, but certainly there's people out there that are exceptionally capable that don't want, you know, don't want to bother because it's not worth it. Like you said, maybe, maybe some element is, is around how you define fittest or fitness. So, you know, and I, I heard this actually on like Ben Bergeron talking about this recently on his debrief from the games. Right. And they talk about that. If we, you know, this links into the rule book, if we start defining, say like at the IF three have defined like the modalities expected in certain movements, then it becomes more defined and thus it's easier to specialize in being good at the events for which the test has, um, for which the test has to deliver. Um, so there's that element is that like, is it the fastest? Is that what we mean by fittest? The person with the best endurance, the capacity, um, grit to kind of, you know, go through 15 tests. So, you know, and maybe that comes back to like, and this is that whole thing around weird workouts being on at primetime CBS is like, you know, the hopper workouts of the ranch and the unknown and the unknowable. If we want to move away from that, because we don't think it reflects fitness, then we can, but and this all comes down to like, where's, where, where's it going? What does it need to be able to do? And maybe it was intentional then for Dave to decide not to use the phrase fittest on earth because they wanted to focus on the fact, which is it's the new CrossFit Games champion. Which is, yeah, and, and which is definitely true. It's interesting that Ben talks about that because, you know, the in the current, well, I don't say current, but in the time that he's been coaching at least, you know, the, there's another important factor at the CrossFit Games, I think, is the scoring system. And you basically can dictate your strategy. And there's people out there who've proposed other scoring systems that would totally change the way that people train if those were implemented. Um, but in the current system, you know, it pays to win events. And after you get, you know, and then as you get lower down, like, you know, people say like, no, you got to fight for every place. You got to fight for every point. It's like, not necessarily. If I'm trying to beat you, Tom, for 25th or 26th in this workout, but I know that sending it to get that 25th is going to prevent me from having my best performance on the upcoming one that I could probably take top three on. I'm just going to let you go. And I'm going to give away those two points because it might come at the expense of 20 in the next one. If I, if I do push that little extra, and I know there's another workout coming in 45 minutes and he Ben Bergeron is probably the best at the, in the sport of gaming for the system and within the rules that they're given year to year. I think he adapts and communicates to his athletes really well to make sure that they maximize their potential based on the set of rules, the scoring systems and the circumstances for that year or that workout. But, and if it was a different system where you had the opportunity where it was like, you were literally rewarded for every second faster that you finish relative to the field, then I would, I, I wouldn't necessarily have the same choice, but I also would not, wouldn't necessarily train the same way. 
that's the it's like the the um heptathlon or the decathlon in the like going back to the olympics like they're they're done on distance and time so if you are a better javelin thrower than you are 800 meter runner then you're probably going to pick up more points than you know than you would have otherwise but i, I think that's really interesting the idea because essentially you can you can win the ones that you're great at and then kind of do okay in, in the current system. You can, you just win the ones that you're great at and then you do okay in the one and in most of the other things, you can have a couple of bad performances and still win. You know, Justin came outside of the top 10 a couple of times, at least twice. There we go. And still won. Yeah. Yeah. That, that That tells you that that's, you know, yeah, but Justin Medeiros has now finished third and first at the Cross Games in two consecutive seasons. He's won one event, one, and he was the last one this year. And I, I suppose you know, some someone maybe listening to this could say, "Well, hold on, if you know, if you're gaming the system, if you know, like in your example, like Brian, you're saying, I'm looking at Tom, I, you know, I know not to send it here, and I can do it on that." You know, some will say, "Well, that, surely that's you know, that's maybe part of the test. The fittest person also needs to be smart." I think the point that you made is that it's actually, you know, the coach that's maybe taking all of this data and communicating it to his athletes. And then at that point, you know, it's not necessarily you, because I, I think a lot of athletes are, you know, wind them up and let them go. Right. And they do need someone to say, Hey, don't send it on this one. You're not going to catch him. Save yourself for the next workout. That's where we're, you know, and at that point, yeah, then it, it does become more of a game and, and gaming the system than it is as a straight test which again is absolutely fine as long as we refer to it as a game and not a sure. test. And it, and it happens in every sport, right? You get the set of rules and then everyone plays by the rules and then you find mm. the person who is the best at executing given the set of rules. But we already talked about the fact that the rules are unknown. They're constantly changing. They're evolving as the season goes on. And even in the midst of a workout, like event six at the games this year, there was a, no one knew what the tiebreaker was. There was a time cap. Then they changed it. Then they shortened the run it's like, what, you know, what, like what's happening here and how am I supposed, you know, is everyone really on an even playing field at this point? It doesn't seem like it. And then we've not, we've not even dipped into the subject of does CrossFit have favorites, which is like another, <laughs> oh gosh, a whole, a whole nother thing, a whole, a whole nother week of, of, of topic really. I guess we could kind of go round and round in circles and avoiding the topic that Jason's just suggested was around, uh, you know, is there certain things we, you know, are top of the list that we want to kind of see for next year, other than another full full house at Madison and an actual kind of games taking place. So that, that would be top of my list. <laughs> I don't know. I think that the best, I think that the best thing CrossFit could do for themselves is to, is to have a, a rule book they release at the start of the season that explains the entirety of the season and to see it through that way. Because otherwise, and I'm not, and that doesn't mean that you can't have workouts that are announced moments before they start at the games. You can still have a degree of unknown, but it's very obvious that that athletes and um, agents and coaches and training camps are trying to create professionalism, sponsors, outside competitions, and it. It just feels like that's maybe maybe it is at the top of the list, Tom, but it's one of the things that CrossFit continues to struggle to do that is like kind of pulling the reins back on all of those different groups of people that are trying to move forward. Yeah, I suppose in those like non, is it, what do they call them? Non-endemic 
brands, right? That's where you can really start to bolster the price purse, but you need that kind of legitimacy and that transparency that kind of be, makes like, okay, no, I don't really get CrossFit, but I get that this many hundred million people are going to watch and it's it's worth me kind of like put it, whatever marketing company I'm working for, it's worth me putting something into that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, also near the top of the list is, and I don't know, I, I'm not hugely knowledgeable about this, but some kind of TV contract, like some kind of contract with the media company that says, okay, we're going to support you this year or the, for this number of years in this regard, we're going to broadcast this, we're going to broadcast this, we're going to cover this. And that there's like a predictable and known and established media source that's telling the story of the season that someone like us who, who knows a ton about it or someone who doesn't and who wants to learn more can tune into and follow along in a digestible format. The interesting, the interesting thing is um, CrossFit and the CrossFit Games are obviously two very different. They're not obviously two very different things. To the untrained eye, maybe they're the same, but they are very different. So CrossFit as a brand and as, as affiliates and is becoming more professional, is, is, is at least trying to become more inclusive, um, is trying to become more incorporated, is trying to reach out to their the family who are the affiliates and trying to include them more in, in what's going on. Whereas it seems like the games is, and maybe, maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but maybe like Dave is being, um, is kind of taking the reins of the games and going, you know what, this is my baby and I'll do it the way that I want to do it, which is, goes back to that kind of reality TV almost of like, well, it's my ball. So if you want to play by my, you know, if you want to play the game, then we're playing with my ball. So it's my rules. And I'll tell you the rules when I think it's the good time rather than, you know, me telling you kind of all the rules and then, you know, Oh, we, you know, we're, we were playing in two halves last week, but actually we're going to play in four quarters now. Um, you know, just so I can have an extra break here and there or what, you know, that's not, it's, it sounds stupid, but actually like, I, I feel like that's quite significant um, in the, in the way that, in the kind of way that it's put together. I think that would definitely link to like Brian saying about them needing some kind of TV deal and some guaranteed sort of source there, because I guess with any other, you know, again, professional sport, you could say, right, we've got this many teams, they play this many matches, the season goes this long and you're going to get, you're guaranteed like, this amount of, of of stuff that you can put on your on your channel right and it's this long so you can have this many ad breaks like they can work it all out but the very nature of like well this event is is two and a half minutes probably uh, and this event is is half an hour and um this event might happen in in march and this one maybe it's going to be perhaps in april but we're not 100 percent sure it might and it's that kind of uncertainty about things which crossfit quite likes right to do the whole kind of unknown and unknowable the crossfit game the crossfit games likes crossfit games likes you no, can't no, no, I, I think that is important though because crossfit is trying to do crossfit the you know the methodology and the the business is trying to do its best to bring people on board the one page whereas it doesn't seem like that for the crossfit games okay well, well let's write that down as a future topic because <laughs> um that could be interesting anyway I, I just think it's interesting that when you, you know, we, we launched out, we, I launched out a pretty broad question, but you could take it in so many different ways. And, and almost for me, 
isn't that the issue? <laughs> like, the, if it was just one thing and we could go, well, look, it's this one thing. And if they could just nail this, it's golden. But the fact that there just seems to be a lot of it, and obviously, I guess it is a case of prioritizing, right, what's number one on the list? What's number two on the list? But sometimes as well, it's, it doesn't work like that, does it? Because like number one on the list, the big issue might be something that at the moment, you're just not in a position to solve. Mm. But there are another five things on the list you could very easily fix straight away. And they might not have as big an impact as number one, but it will tighten things up and actually maybe make doing that number one thing a bit more achievable. So you probably just need, dare I say, a fresh pair of eyes to like look over. Uh, hey, give us a call. CrossFit Games, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Sam only wants to work for CrossFit, but Tom and I will jump on board and help out at the CrossFit Games. Um, Brian's too, Brian is far too busy. Yeah. One of the key things, like talking about the rule book though and like releasing it, and I get the point, but one of the things is when, when a rule book is written, it holds both those that write the rules and those that are participating to account. And you can imagine that a, a brand, which is what CrossFit and CrossFit Games is, is like, why would we shackle ourselves more than we have to, especially in you know 2021, which you know has been a an unusual an emerging year, let's say. We've we're emerging from lockdown and stuff. So, you know, you can kind of say that like a brand might be like, why why would we why would we sign ourselves to to delivering this when we're not actually sure whether we're hundred percent sure we can? But maybe we'll see more next year. Right. Well I I don't know if anyone has anything they want to add. I one thing we didn't talk about when we started talking about athletes but this is very much going to be what we're going to talk about next week is uh, one of the ways athletes are trying to improve themselves overall and their performance is kind of by teaming up um so we're going to talk about that on next week's episode uh, so brian will be back for that so um i'm sure he'll knock us dead with some stats on how it hasn't helped them but um <laughs> oh sorry spoilers for <laughs> next week's episode <laughs> Uh, but uh, thanks for tuning in everyone join us next week then uh, thank you brian for for coming along if you want to uh, follow brian he's got one of the easiest handles to find is brian friend crossfit can't go wrong with that you can find sam at, at, sorry, at la roche original yeah I've, I've remembered it this time sam tom is at chalking fitness i'm at jason cf media we are at plate.stack.chat uh, and we'll see you all next week <laughs>